Thank you for listening to Embassy City Church's audio podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message and his word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. Luke chapter number two. Uh, I'm going to read uh, 20 verses. And there, there is a, uh, this, this word and these three words are exploding in my heart. Um, th- we're not in a series or anything like that. It's just uh, something that uh, he's dropped in my heart to share with you all this morning. Uh, I refer to um, the, the, the message I preach uh, prior to Christmas as the sweet baby Jesus message. Uh, the, the, on Easter, you're going to preach about the resurrection of Jesus. If you're a pastor and you don't preach about the resurrection of Jesus on Easter, it's illegal. I think you get locked up in certain states for that, especially in the South. Um, uh, uh, but, but I think on, uh, uh, around Christmas, you should preach about sweet baby Jesus. And uh, I like calling him sweet baby Jesus because it's just funny. Um, but uh, th- there's something in Luke chapter number two that, that I think you should really, really pay attention to. Uh, I, I will say that after this message, uh, some of your uh, theology surrounding this narrative is going to be destroyed. Uh, many more of you are going to have to go home and <laughs> readjust your nativity scene uh, if you have one out, uh, uh, according to Scripture, not because I just feel like jacking you up. So uh, if you have uh, Luke opened uh, in your app or your phone or uh, your Bible, I still, how many people still have a Bible? You just, uh, raise it up. If you still have a Bible, you should be proud. This thing, yay you. This will not, like, this, this will not ever power off, okay? I actually have a friend who was reading their real Bible, and when they got ready to turn the page, they went like this. <laughs> and they were like, oh, I don't think, whoa, this is the real thing right here. They literally went like that to go up, no, turn the page. So, yes, yeah, so... Uh, uh, Luke chapter number two, starting at the first verse, here's what it says. At that time, uh, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea. David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, There were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. This was the sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. 
Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. I want you to pay close attention to the 12th verse, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. I want to preach from the subject this morning, he fits here. Would you say that with me? He fits here. Again, he fits here. One more time. He fits here. He fits Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for creating a space that God can fit into. Amen. If you've purchased a Christmas gift for someone that they have to wear, one of the things that you've probably done is either in a direct or indirect way, try to find out what their size is. Because if you've bought a shirt, a dress, some shoes, a belt, you want to make sure that it fits. If you have uh, children uh, that have not uh, maxed out on growing yet, you've wasted your money. Because in another six to eight months, those shoes are not going to fit. That shirt is not going to fit. And therefore, you find yourself frustrated because those shoes that they so desperately wanted right now, they grew out of in nine months. And you're like, that was a car note. (laughs) Sneakers nowadays are transportation notes. Get 22 rides on Uber for a pair of these shoes nowadays. You want to make sure that it fits. When you think about the narrative of Scripture and the fact that God was coming into the earth realm, it is a more magnificent story then I think we give it credit for. Consider the fact that God, who has always been, stands outside of everything he created, but yet can be felt inside of everything 
that he created. It, it would be different if we were talking about uh, uh, someone who uh, lived in a place and decided to build a place that they could fit in. For an example, a home builder. A home builder uh, sees the world around them and has the creativity to actually build a home. But, but they're already in the realm that they're actually building something to move into and dwell. God does not apply to this type of thought process and philosophy. For God stands outside of time, outside of matter, outside of space, yet spoke everything into existence and then decided to populate himself on the inside of what he stands on the outside of. That, that he could create everything that is this earth realm and then take his very breath and blow it into a man's lungs so man could live in a different way than everything else that he created. Animals live in a different way. Fish live in a different way than man lives. There, there is a piece of God on the inside of man because he literally blew his spirit into man. That's amazing to me. And that we get this messianic prophecy that, that, that is uh, 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 plainly laid out in Genesis 3.15, that the seed of the woman shall bruise the head of the serpent and he shall bruise his heel. I'm going to send somebody to correct what happened with you, Adam and Eve, and, and I will make sure that this is reconciled. But, but no one told us it was going to take 4,000 years. That's a long time to wait for a prophetic word. Anybody in here ever received a prophetic word and you got happy right then when, as soon as you heard it? And you started to go prepare for things to change right then and then it, 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 and then it didn't happen. Like, it didn't happen the next day. Like, you know, by this time tomorrow turned into by this time five years from now. And it just didn't land the way it was supposed to land. He gives this messianic prophecy and we, we see God on the outside uh, uh, making, making opportunities to find himself on the inside. You look in uh, the book of Exodus and, and, and you see a God who, who wants to have a relationship. He comes in a burning bush. He, he, he comes as close as he can uh, uh, to Moses. And, and, and then uh, when Moses gets them out of uh, uh, Egypt, he, he goes into a tent that the God of the universe could fit into a tent to meet with Moses face to face. And then he says something like this. He says, uh, I want you to build something for me according to a pattern that already exists. And so there's a pattern in heaven that exists, that, that exists and I want you to build something on earth uh, with, with some of, you know, just your meager accoutrement, something that you have around. It's never going to match what I have in heaven, but I want you to try your best to follow this pattern. And, and, and they do follow the pattern, but it, 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 it consists of like badger skins, like, like animal hide, wood. And, and, and they, they make this little tent, and they make this little place and call it the holies of holies, and, and, and they present it to God and say, is this what you were looking for? And God goes, yes, I will move into that space. I can fit there. How? Can the God of the universe fit into a little room inside of a little room and be present there? 
to the point that all of Israel could see the glory cloud coming up out of this little tent. Years and years later, Solomon taking a cash of money, billions of dollars equated to today's economy, would take a cash of money and build something so opulent for that time, everything was dipped in gold. They built a temple to the Lord, and the Lord goes, I, I, I can fit in here too. And it was his presence, and we were all just Oh, my goodness, he, he, he's here in the temple in the same way he was in the tabernacle. Whether you put him in something that was as flimsy as some animal skins or something as opulent as some gold, it didn't matter. He just wanted to be with his people. So we could feel his presence, and his presence was, was with us, and we, we, we wanted to be near him, and we wanted to feel his presence. So much so uh, uh, was Moses in his presence that he came out glowing in the dark. He had to wear a veil over his head when he came out of meeting with God because his presence was so powerful that when he came out, the light was still emanating off of him as if he had been exposed to radiation. For 24 hours, he, he fit there. And Isaiah takes it a step further and builds on prof prophetic words that have been coming since Genesis 3.15. And he says, um, this person's name is going to be Emmanuel. God with us. Well, 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 he has been with us. He's been with us the whole time. How do you think we got out of Egypt? And how do you think we split the Red Sea? And, and how do you think that we conquered Canaan? No, 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 no. He's coming in a different way. He, he is going to be God with us, like for real. Like, like the word is going to come, and that word is going to put on flesh. Um, I, I, I grew up in um, the 80s and the 90s, uh, so I am considered a Gen X baby. Any Gen X babies in the room? Uh, one of the colloquialisms that came out of the Gen X uh, generation was, do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> Some people still use that, even though they shouldn't, because it's just old. Um, and, and some people uh, now use it as a verbal crutch. Like, they, they can't even talk without saying, do you see what I'm saying? Like, after every sentence, which, which kills a literalist like me because it doesn't give me time to answer you when you say, do you, do, do you see what I'm saying? So when I'm talking to people who are like, yeah, and then that game, you see what I'm saying? Oh, my goodness, when he dunked that ball, you see what I'm saying? Because, like, man, you see what I'm saying? And I'm like, stop, do you see what I'm saying? I need you to complete a thought before I can actually see what you're actually saying. Well, when God got ready to make sure you saw what he was saying, he took all his words from the Old Testament, wrapped it up in flesh, put it in the womb of a virgin, and when the baby was born, he said, do you see what I'm saying? He is the word. Wrapped in flesh. Joseph... Joseph finds this little girl, Mary, he's super attracted to, and he wants to marry her. And um, he had his eye on this 
woman and, and God had his eye on the same woman. And I don't know if you know this or not, man, but if you like a girl and God likes a girl, God wins. Like if, like if Joseph liked her and then like Robert liked her, we have a competition. We're going to see who can get this girl. But like if Joseph likes her and God likes her, you, what are you going to say? Hey, I can treat you real good. God, hey, I created you. Hey, I saved up some money. I'm going to buy you a diamond ring. God, I own the cattle on a thousand hills, and I made the diamonds that he's going to put into that ring. Joseph, I quit. God, thank you. This is the only time it happens, so if you've heard it since, they're lying. Mary got pregnant off of a word from God. And Joseph had to deal with it. Joseph is my hero. Because to ride with that story. You better have had a word from the Lord. Because now you have to walk around with Mary with you. Is that your baby? Nah. No. Oh, okay. Well, sometimes things are complicated. I won't delve into it. No, 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 no. It wasn't nothing like that. She's pregnant by God. Okay, Joseph. You love her, and we get it, and you, you're, you, you're overlooking a lot of, you know, faults and whatever Mary did. Pro- no, she's pregnant by God. He goes with this story because he heard a word from the Lord in the same way that Mary did. Now, with Mary being pregnant, soon to have a baby, the Roman Empire wants everyone back in their birthplace of origin for a census. I want you to imagine this. I'm born and raised in Inglewood, California. That's where I was born. Sentinella Hospital, Thursday, June 26th at 8.26 p.m. If everyone from California who was born in the city of Inglewood who now lives over the last 40 years of their life all across the United States and maybe even uh, uh, across the seas had to come back to their city of origin for a census, it would be a mess. Can you imagine coming from a small hometown where everyone grows up and gets out, but then after uh, uh, two decades, everyone has to come back to this small town and stay there until uh, a census director shows up to count all the heads in the house. They didn't have the technology that we have today, so this could take a very long time. They, they go back to Bethlehem, Joseph's place of origin, because he is a descendant 
of David. And when they get back there, there is no suitable lodging for them. Now, this is different from what we hear in the narrative. There's no room in the inn. Just so you know, there were no inns back then. There wasn't a comfort suite. There was no Motel 6. There was no one to leave the light on for you. There, 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 there for sure wasn't a, a Four Seasons. There wasn't a Sheraton Hotel. There was not a Marriott. And so uh, 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 no room in the inn belies the true nature of what was going on in the city. Hundreds, if not thousands of people were coming back to their hometown of origin. And what they found is in Jewish custom, you would always have somebody that would open up their doors. It was, it was by law that you had to open up your doors and help somebody in their time of need. Well, everybody was jam-packed back in the city, so there was literally no extra rooms in anybody's house for them to be. So they kept going, well, well, do you have a room? No. Do do you have a room? No. Do do you have a room? No. Do you have a room? No. We don't have a room. Do you have a room? No. We do not have a room. And they, 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 they literally wind up in a barn. And Mary starts having contractions. The God baby is coming. And Mary's having contractions. And the best place for this baby is a barn? This is the only place. We've waited 4,000 years for the Messiah, and the only place open for this guy is a barn? The coming king is arriving. The palace is not available. The house is not available. No room is available, only a barn is available. And the baby's coming. Mary goes into the barn and starts having these contractions and this baby starts coming and people start scrambling. Ah! Cause this is what happens even in first world countries. <laughs> When the contractions hit, the water breaks, oh my goodness, it's time to have a baby. We are like, huh? And we went to the Lamaze class and we have the go kit already on the side. We're ready to go. Now imagine being in a barn with none of that prepared and you're looking for a place to put this baby. Jesus is calling. (laughs) Asking hoping that there's still a room available. He's still calling, asking, hoping if there is a room available. I'll come back to that in a minute. And so he, he, He's, he's on his way out. The king of kings is on his way out of a womb he created, of a person he spoke into existence. He is on the way out. Where are we going to put this baby? 
the only place they have available at the moment is a manger. Here's what's important about this, because the word manger and the way we've been conditioned to receive the word makes it sound <laughs> so snug and cute. Take that word manger out, go to the thesaurus and pull out another word, which is trough. This is what this is, a narrow rectangle box, rectangular box that they would either pour water in for the animals to drink out of or slop food in for the animals to eat. When this baby is coming, not just any baby, the baby, a 4,000-year-old baby in the making, when this baby is about to come out, the only place available is the animal trough. And it wasn't ready for the baby. They had to get it ready for the baby. So they are scrambling. Trying to get it together. Get some hay. Get some of that hay. Put it down here. Is that comfortable? I don't know. It's, it's, this is all we got. And they scooped out maybe some food or they, they poured out the, the rancid water. This wouldn't be like fresh water. It's for animals. You don't change that every day. Ask your dog. So, <laughs> so they get it as, as best they can, and the baby comes out, and they, they wrap, they just take some strips of cloth. They just start ripping off strips of cloth, ripping it off, and wrapping him up in it, and they go and they put it, this baby, in the animal trough. And the baby is laying it. The king of the universe is laying in an animal trough. How can he fit there? How could the king of the universe fit right here? Why would he be okay with that? There's an alert given to some shepherds that are nearby that the Messiah has arrived. They let the Messiah, they, they let the, the angels let the shepherds know that the Messiah is going to be in this location in Bethlehem. And here's what they tell them. They said, here's the sign that you're going to know it's the Messiah. Um, he will be wrapped in strips of cloth, laying in an animal trough. That is a very specific word. How many people in here like specific words when you get a prophecy from the Lord? I don't like general words. I'll take it as general comfort. I'll take it as general encouragement. But, but, but I like my words to be specific. I don't have to know the book, date, the time, the year, the channel. But, but like when somebody says, you know what, God's going to be doing some great things for you. I'm like, mm, thank you. Every morning in devotion, I get the same kind of word, so thank you. You know what? God's going to open some doors for you next year. Thank you. I'm, I'm going to open some doors for myself, too. Car door, home door, garage door. Amen, though. I appreciate it. When it gets a little more specific, on Christmas, there's going to be a pivot. By the new year, it's going to be this. By this, is going to be that. And then it happens, you were like, this has got to be God right here. 
Well, well, when you get a word like the Messiah is here and he's wrapped in some strips of cloth and he's laying in a manger, uh, that's a pretty accurate word. He's laying in an animal trough. Uh, Newsflash, most babies, that's not where they are. Even in third world countries, they got something better than an animal trough for their newborn baby. These shepherds show up, and when they show up, they see this baby in the animal trough, and they start worshiping the Lord. They're like, we, we, we've, seen, we've seen the Lord. This is amazing. But, but I'm still questioning how he could even fit there. Why would he fit there? Why would the God of our creation choose this space to find his place as an introduction into the earth. I think you know the answer. He did it on purpose. The reason why he did it is because in order for him to reach all humanity and in order for no one in the human narrative to be missed, in order for no one to feel like they couldn't relate, he had to come in at the very bottom before he came up to the very top. He had to present himself to the lowliest of men before he would present himself to the loftiest of men. He chose this spot so that the lowest of the low would know I can relate to you. And he is now in a spot so that the highest of the high could know I can relate to you too. First people that get to see him are shepherds who were considered the most despised and poorest amongst all of the people of that day. He showed himself, he revealed himself to those people first. Why? Because he wanted, to, he wanted them to know, as low as you are, I can fit there. I can fit into your narrative. I know you're low. I know you're despised. I know you're reviled, but I can fit into your story. Look where I was born. Now, here's how your nativity scene is about to blow up. The shepherds were there. When he was in the manger, the wise men were not. The shepherds and the wise men did not show up at the same time. An angel talking to one group, a star leading another group, and they show up at the same time and go, in this baby cute? No. The shepherds get to see him first because... They are the lowest, and they can relate to him. They can relate to somebody that doesn't have anything because they don't have anything. They can relate to somebody that is down and out because they've been down and out. They can relate to somebody that is at a low point in their life because they were at low points in their life. God is about 
he is concerned with about making sure you understand that he can fit inside of your narrative no matter what your narrative may be. You have never been lower than where the king came in and you will never be higher than where the king presently dwells. He can fit here. He can fit here. He, he, he's in a manger when the shepherds find him, but he's in a house. Matthew's account, chapter number two, he's in a house when the wise men find him. And it wasn't three wise men. It was a lot of wise men. Just because we only identify three gifts doesn't mean that it was three people. You could get three of the same kind of gift from eight different people because nobody communicated to each other before they bought your Christmas gifts. So they all could have brought the same thing. The wise men found him uh, at least 40 days up to two years after his birth. The reason for that is because according to Levitical uh, law, when Mary had her child, she was to remain unclean for seven days before uh, taking him on the eighth day to be circumcised in the temple. She then had another 33 days before she could come back and be considered ceremonially, ceremonially clean and step back into the sanctuary. So this is at least 40 days. And when scripture says in Matthew chapter number two, the wise men showed up. When the wise men came in, she was in a house holding the baby. He wasn't in a manger. He was in a house. Wealthy people can relate to a house. Maybe that's why they found him there. See, the poorest could relate to a manger. So they found him there. But the wealthiest could relate to a house. So they found him there. Are you seeing the picture that's trying to be created? This baby that's wrapped in flesh is doing the same thing his dad did in the Old Testament. I could fit in a, in a tabernacle made of sheepskin, and I can fit in a temple dipped in gold. I can fit in something you can barely afford, and I can fit in something that you have more than enough money to pay for. I can fit into the narrative of your life. I can fit into a bank account that only has $9 in it, and if you went to the ATM, they would tell you to go back home. And I can also fit into a bank account that has a trust fund baby acronym attached to it. I, I fit. I, I, I fit. I, 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 can, I can fit here. And if I could fit in an animal trough, I can fit into your heart. But you don't know what's in my heart. There's perversion here, and there's anger here, and there's bitterness here, and there's, there's depression here, and there's identity issues here, and there's pain here, and it's, it's, it's messy in here. I, I need to get this cleaned out before I even invite you in because I don't want to let you in here because if you came in here now, it's just such a mess. And he's like, I, I know what it is to come into a mess. I came into a barn. 
they hadn't even cleaned it out yet. We were ankle deep in some stuff when I came into the earth. I, 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 can, I can still smell the, 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 the animals, just nature. Have you ever driven by a farm fast? You're speeding through a two-lane highway on the back road of a country town, and there's hundreds of acres off to the distance when you see this farm. And for some reason, even with all that land, uh, the aroma in the air doesn't seem to stay on their land. There's a beautiful word called waft. There's this wafting that happens. And you're like, Mm. Wow. I think that's a farm. You can smell that driving with the windows up and the AC running, speeding through a town. He was in the barn, in the animal trough, saying to himself, I'm so glad I was here. Because no one can use the excuse that I can't relate to them if I come here. I present myself to the lowly first and I work my way up. A rapper would have said he started from the bottom and now he's... They... they I, I'm interested in this narrative this morning because I'm wondering what part of your heart the enemy has tried to trick you into thinking God can't fit in. Whether you are the poor or the privileged, whether you don't have enough or have more than enough, there is no space in any place you find yourself in that he can't fit into. And I believe on this Christmas Eve, what God wants us to be reminded of is that he can fit here. That if he could fit into that animal trough, then he could fit into your heart. With the reminder that whether you find yourself in an animal trough or a palace, he can fit. No one has come in lower than where God came in, wrapped himself in a flesh suit, called himself a man. No one can come any lower than where Jesus came in, and no one can be any higher than where he presently dwells. So, so, so if you're here or up here, anywhere in between, he can fit. The question is, will you let him? There was no room in the inn. There was no suitable lodging in the house. But there's room somewhere. I, I've heard people say, well, well you know, uh, I'm still thinking about coming to the Lord, and, and I got a lot of questions. Uh, there's no room uh, uh, where, where, where uh, uh, the, the narrative of Jesus fits uh, in my intellect. Okay, but, but he can fit in the pain. Well, it's too much pain. I don't want to give it to him there. Well, 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 well he can fit in the need. Well, I really don't have a need. Uh, well, he can fit where there's a want. 
Well, well, I really don't have any wants. You're a liar. <laughs> he fits. He fits so good that poor people showed up and go and went, oh my goodness, I'm so glad we saw him. And wealthy people showed up and said, oh my goodness, I'm so glad we saw him. Uneducated people showed up and rejoiced that they got to see the Messiah. And scientists showed up and rejoiced that they got to see the Messiah. People that probably could not write a paragraph on a page and people that could write a doctoral thesis both rejoiced at his coming because he fits here. Where does he fit today? Well, I've already given my life to Jesus, and so he already fits. I guarantee you there's a spot. There's another place that he would love to squeeze into. I don't have a lot of room in here. My childhood was so busted up and broken up, and and I just don't have a lot of space. And he's like, I don't need a lot of space. If you could clean out a ditch, I'll lay in it. And if you could afford to make me a 40,000 square foot palace, I'm big enough to feel the palace, but I'll humble myself and become small enough to fit in the ditch. I want to fit in the space of your heart that will cause men to rejoice that I was there. He fits here. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Embassy Irving.